Pulp MX Network production. EVS Sports brings you a cheeky Brit and an American YouTube racing sensation weekly on the LVK More Than Moto podcast. Here's your hosts, Lewis Phillips and Kellen Brower. Yeah, welcome everybody into episode two of LVK More Than Moto. I am Kellen Brower from Racer X. He is Lewis Phillips from Vital MX, and we are here to debate and discuss. Things from San Francisco, round two of Monster Energy AMA Supercross, and more. That's why it is more than moto. But first of all, Lewis, San Francisco over the weekend, it was wet. Um, I was still, I feel like, wet on Sunday night. I was like thawing out my jackets and stuff, but you were not, apparently. Well, let me tell you, Kellen, as a Brit, <laughs> um, those conditions were tinted lens worthy and one tear off. One tear off. One tear off. Yeah. Other guys were like having double goggles, no. tear offs on top of that, pulling them on the first corner. No, all that's that an American reaction to that it weather. It is a very American reaction. We, we would uh, a it, lot, you know? in England, we would consider that um, t-shirt and short weather. Uh, we'd be watering the track between motos, <laughs> scared of dust. Yes. Um. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that the California kids did as well as they did this weekend. Like Ryder D from Bakersfield, Joshua Vries is from California and gets in the top ten because literally tracks out here close when it rains. I mean, so, this this could be a debate, but I'll sum it up very quickly. Okay. We all need to stop with the so and so is good in the mud because realistically, whoever gets the whole shot is probably going to win. Like we overplay that so much. I guess, but Kenny was like almost dead last out of the first corner when his bike stalled and then got all the way to third by like the fourth lap. So the, Kenny's a good mud rider. Like that that plays into it. Oh, it's raining. Plessinger's going to win. Please tell me when Plessinger last won a Supercross mud race. Well, he's never won a Supercross. So mm -hmm. I mean, but but mm. he did win like Seattle 2018, which is a total mudder on the 250. He was in San Diego 2019. Uh, look, man, I'm just saying there are people that are better at mud than others. Okay. That's the point that most people are trying to get across. Um, yeah, so before we really get too deep into this second episode, uh, Lewis, reaction to the first episode, I feel like was a little heavy-handed um, on you, unfortunately. You can, um, so, the floor is yours. Feel free to thank me. Oh, I, I would like to thank you because I feel like episode one was a success in terms of fan feedback. We Basically, had a people excited about it. To give you a successful podcast, I jumped in front of a bus for you. Yes, yes, you did. And you're welcome for that. Uh, I appreciate that. But you continue to just jump back in front of this bus again. Everyone keeps bringing up that you are ridiculous for this take on your brother, which we'll get into later. And he's and in the studio. And you just keep doubling down on Twitter anyway. So I don't, what do you mean by you're just jumping in front of the bus repeatedly at this point? That's how much I care about you. Okay. Well, I would I, jump into it in front of a bus multiple times. Greatly appreciated. Um, but yes, this is LVK more than moto. And the point of this podcast really is that we're trying to go a little bit behind the scenes. We do like really funny press box talk kind of things on Saturday. And we have these great discussions that no one will probably ever hear. So you and I, I feel like we are trying to bring to life some of those funny discussions that we have. And it's not all just race review, hard hitting facts. It's more beyond that a little bit. Yeah. At the end of the day, Steve Weege and JT, JT do a ridiculously good race review i do one on vital mx with michael Lindsay. the pulp show does a fair amount of race discussion we yes. will also do a fair amount of race discussion but this is called more than moto for a reason we could just sit here and talk about the race for an hour again and that would be lazy of us um as media us and everyone else needs to start thinking outside the box and by merging some race discussion with some 
life discussion it's a different product yeah and different is better because we all do a lot and otherwise we're just going around in circles and circles and circles and i'm tired of doing that yes yes indeed um we'll get into some topics today we have uh six of them lined up that we're going to go through we're also going to rehash some some stuff from last week because uh we have a special guest calling in celebrity guest celebrity guest from nbc say. sports perhaps uh but he has some thoughts on some topics that we discussed last week so we'll get into that in a little bit before we do want to give a big thank you of course to evs sports they are the um main sponsor on this podcast and over the past 39 year, years evs sports has established themselves as a leader in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders athletes like rj hampshire kyle chisholm freddie norn axel hodges and travis pastrana all wear evs when they race ride or whatever travis decides to do that day check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use code lvk30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces also want to give a shout out to nomura for presenting this podcast the leading provider of engine components for motocross atv utv and personal watercraft for over two decades nomura has been the preferred choice for premium and dependable engine components for more than 20 years whether you're restoring your vintage bike rebuilding your four-wheeler or upgrading your new 450 race motor nomura has you covered our extensive line of cast and forged pistons connecting rods gasket kits engine valves and soon cylinder kits that enhance your engine's performance Keep an eye out for our new and innovative products in 2024 and beyond. Stay up to date by following us on Instagram at Nomura underscore technologies. And a new sponsor this week, big shout out to Racetech Suspension. For 40 years, Racetech has been supplying the motorcycle industry with high quality suspension components made right here in the USA. For modern to vintage, Racetech is your go-to source for suspension performance. And they're also a part of a new uh, feature that we have later on in this podcast. So let's get into it, Lewis. We have our topics lined up for today. Uh, this one, I wanted to kind of lead into it a little bit with this week. Uh, oh, I need to get my phone out and actually have a timer ready to go. I forgot that this is part of our podcast that we actually have this. Um, but the topic that I want to get into today, Lewis, is mutters. Uh, I feel like on Twitter this week, we had a lot of people reacting kind of negatively to the fact that we had a mutter so early in the season um, or just a mutter at all. Like people saying like, why are we going to West coast rounds? Every time we go to Oakland or the Bay area, we seem to have a mutter. It always rains up here. Seattle always turns into a mutter and we do it in an outdoor stadium. Um, I, I like the concept of having a mutter, like a season, like one mutter a season to kind of shake things up. And I also like that we did it early in the season. So it's not like we get four rounds from the end and we have a championship fight that gets kind of like maybe ruined by a mutter. But what say you about mutters this uh, past weekend in San Francisco? Uh, I like mutters, but what I don't like is halfway mutters where it's rained a little bit. Uh, the track is like an ice rink and people are tiptoeing around doubling because that's boring. Yeah. I like mutters where bikes are getting stuck, riders are drowning, um, smoke machines are going off in the middle of the track. If it's going to rain, we may as well just have the full shebang, yeah. which is what we got in San Francisco. So I was quite happy. Um, middle of the season, end of season, beginning of the season, it all counts towards the same thing. Who cares? Um, of course, we've got to go racing. What makes me laugh? Not to get on a high horse so early. Okay. But what makes me laugh is all of this talk about the sport's gone soft, blah, blah, blah. That's all you get on Twitter. It rains, and now racing in the rain is wrong. Yeah. So we, So apparently we should be more soft. Uh, allegedly yeah i mean i feel like people were literally adamant that this is bad a bad look for our sport from is the reactions that i saw like people were upset that we were having a race in the rain well and i'm like I, I don't know this is our sport what do you I, mean 
I watched the replay of San Francisco and I wondered that myself. Like, if you were flicking channels and you yeah. come across this, riders going very slowly, I was like, I wonder what you'd think. But I think that if I was in that situation, I would stop and watch because it would look so chaotic yeah. and ridiculous that I'd be like, huh, what's going on here? The argument to that is maybe they stop and go, that doesn't that I don't understand why that looks hard. Why aren't they going faster? <laughs> yeah. Which I would imagine some people would do because to them they would look at it and it would just look like a track, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So maybe that's the um the negative to it. But I don't I don't see it being a bad thing. It spices things up. Um at the end of the day, it's not like the results from San Francisco were that much of an outlier. It was fairly normal with the exception of, say, McElrath. Um, and really, that was it. Like, okay, Jet probably isn't finishing ninth yeah. at any other Supercross, but he could finish seventh this weekend. So that's not that different. Like, everyone just calm down. Yeah, I, the reason why I like it early, and, and I said this to Steve at one point, I think he talked about it in the review show. Um, I like it early in the season because it... I like this this trend of like we don't really know what's going to happen to keep going as long as we can in the season. Like there is going to be a point where we're at round eight, nine, ten, where it's like every time we go to the gate, we know that X Y Z riders are going to probably win. Like last year, it was Eli and Chase and Cooper. At a certain point, yep. it was like we're going to the gate. Those are your title guys. They are battling for the championship, so it's most likely they're going to win. Kenny sneaks in a win. Barsha sneaks in a win. And we're all like, yay. But we kind of know that at some level, those are the top guys in the series late in the championship. So right now, it's still unknown. Is Jet going to be this good late in the stretch? You know, Is Tomac going to get back to form? Is Chase Sex on the new KTM going to be elite all season long? I want that to go on as long as we can where we have as many different faces in the mix. And I feel like the mud gave us that opportunity early in the season. Yes, Chase wins. We know Chase is probably going to win races. But Jed has a bad night, and the points are shuffled again. Yes. I I would have liked... If we're going to have this full mudder experience, as I said, I would like it if we could have a really crazy winner. For instance, Prado, the door was open for him yeah. to win one. That would have been cool. Because that would have never happened normally, so it would have been crazy. Right. Ah, look where we are. Like, 2019, uh, it wasn't a mudder, but... The first couple of rounds, we had Barsha, Baggett, and Webb, which at that point was a surprise. Right, right, yeah. And it was like, what is going on? This is such yep. a weird start of a season. Mm -hmm. So I would have liked some of that, because at, at the end of the day, Jet and Chase were the most likely winners that we were going to have in 2024. But not going to complain, because I'm being nice, and last week everyone shouted at me for complaining, so I'm happy. <laughs> well, uh, to your point about like uh, an off-the-wall winner... At one point during the heat race when Plessinger was leading his heat race, and I know Freinis eventually caught him and won the heat, but Plessinger still looked really good. And then in the main event, got a terrible start, so we never really got to see it. And then I think he, he said he got some goggle problems or something, was, something wasn't right with him early in the main. But I thought to myself, holy smokes, if Aaron Plessinger wins tonight, he'd probably have the points lead. He was fourth at the mm -hmm. opener. If he wins the second round, it's his first Supercross win. And then he has the red plate and all this like... Eli and Chase and Jet and Cooper and all these names that we've been saying and AP has the points lead after two rounds. Like, how rad would that be for the series? Like, that's that's why I was excited for the prospect of a mutter because we could definitely have had that happen. Like, there is a world where Plessinger wins San Francisco and has a red plate going into San Diego. The worst case scenario would have been Jet winning the mutter. 
because then we would have been two rounds in, two completely different races, completely yep. different conditions, and Jet mastered them both, and we're just like, uh, okay. Are you shocked at all that he never really looked good in it? Like, not in qualifying, not during the heat, not during the main, either? Like, we never saw, like, a good version of Mud Jet Lawrence, I feel like. Yes, I'm surprised, because his style is so yeah picture-perfect, which should work in this in these conditions. Uh, balance is on point, standing up all of the time, blah, blah, blah. European experience, add that in as well. Um, I think so, there's some correlation between riding in the sand and riding in the mud. Um, so I am surprised, but I don't know. He just didn't look confident at any point. Every yeah. single time I saw him on TV or in person, he was hesitant and not committing to a rut or a line or the track and that's ultimately what you have to do in the mud it's all about commitment now on the flip side of the frustration with mud a little bit is the 250 class is now like very specifically a handful of guys that can win it because i feel like with joe dnf another bad race for thrasher like we're at the point now where those guys we almost can't factor them in especially with only a nine round series so it kind of ruined that that championship a little bit for some of those guys. Like we have a good title fight, but it did take those guys out of it. I feel I never had Frasher in the title conversation okay. before this, so that's irrelevant. But he to was me. a player. Like I don't think he was a player when he was laying on the ground at Anaheim one, scoring zero points. Anyway, continue. Um, <laughs> we had like the GTA wasted music at that point. <laughs> um, and Shimoda, uh, controversial, and I'm not the Shimoda uh -oh. hater. Oh, but the, the I, realist, not the hater. Okay, that's not me. Yep. But I don't rate Shimoda that highly, so okay. I actually had Kitchen and RJ above him anyway. Smith has become a bit of a revelation, but yeah, I'm not that fast. Uh, did you? So you had Jordan like on par? With no, Shimoda? no. Heading you into the Shimoda season, I had Shimoda him. above him. Okay, okay. That's the only change. Yeah. Um. So Mutters, I liked it. Thumbs up for me. Um. Early in the season, the better for me as well. I hope we don't have another mutter from here. Okay. Okay. Uh. Let's get into another topic here. Uh, the second topic that we have on the docket today is one that, that you're bringing to the table tonight. Um, and I'm kind of curious your take on this a little bit because I do agree with the sentiment of it, but I'm curious like what your exact take is with this. And it's that Phil Nicoletti, who yes. got fourth in the main event, almost got on the podium, um, would not be getting the airtime that he is without Pulp. And I'm assuming this comes from the SMX LCQ. He gets interviewed before the main when his bike doesn't start last week. He gets interviewed when he gets fourth. He's not even on the podium. Like, I'm assuming that's why you're saying this? Well, first of all, you must have not heard. This was actually raised by Steve Mathis in the press box. Okay. He spun around on his little chair and said these exact words. Yes. So I'm bringing that to this show. Okay. I don't know how I feel about it. Part two, I feel strongly about. Okay. Part one, which we're on right now, yep. I think it's 50-50. I think there is a certain level of truth to it, but at the end of the day, Phil is still a racer, and if you finish fourth, McElrath got, in, uh, got interviewed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that still would have happened, yep. but maybe they're more inclined to go, let's interview that guy, because they know the personality that's there. Yeah. Like if... Uh, gosh, I don't want to like throw... In but I feel like you're right because Phil and McElrath, the type of people that they are, and the fact that I feel Wait, like a. Are you saying that Phil and McElrath are the same type of person? No, no, no. Oh. I'm saying the personalities that they are. Oh, okay. Um, maybe McElrath a little bit more because this is his best ever 450 result is why he got an interview. 
Um, but definitely Phil, I feel like, is because they leaned into the personality, they're like, we have to hear what Phil's reaction is to just missing out on the podium, right? Or do you feel that that's like them just thinking, we need to get Phil at all costs? No, they're just like, he just missed out on a yeah, podium. It's right. a worthy interview. And so also, then- they're looking, they're very good now at like following stories. So I'd imagine the fact that he didn't start last week's main event was enough of a story where they were like, we need to kind of show the, the cherry on top of this cake. Yeah. For the viewer. I will say that I feel that, and I, I mean, because Phil didn't start the main at A1, he definitely got more TV time. But I feel like so far, between Phil and Garrett, there's way more like Phil talk. Like Garrett is probably going to have the better season in 250 West for FXR Club MX Yamaha. But I, I, I don't feel like I'm hearing much of like this buzz around Garrett. But there's all this like, oh, how's Phil doing? What's Phil doing today? Kind of talk. And it's not just like from us, like on TV and Twitter and like everyone like that. Like you're saying, I feel like the reaction to Phil is what's going on with Phil. Okay, yeah, in that case, that's because of Pulp right. and Steve. So that's where you're saying, or, or that's what Steve, I guess, was saying in the press box, is that you, he thinks the the uh, interaction, I guess, of fans and everyone being interested in Phil is because of the Pulp relationship. Yes, but what I don't like, and this isn't TV, this is part two, this is separate. Part two, okay. There are some members of the media, a lot of members of the media, that have clamored towards this Phil uh, personality, funny, blah, 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 and are kind of trying to piggyback off of Steve's jokes and relationship and make it their own to get into the cool club. And it's ridiculous. What, okay. are, we, what are we doing as media? Like, I've seen it firsthand as well, because you could say that the Steve and Phil situation was very similar to the Lewis and Sewer situation. Yeah. And when I left MXGP, it took two rounds before another media person went up to Sewer and went, do you want to do Saturdays with Sewer with me? And it's like, <laughs> you've got to think for yourself. If you're in the media, you can't go, oh, look, Kellen has just done a great interview with, give me a name. Uh, Jalik Swar. Jalik Swar. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just, give me it. another name. <laughs> oh, oh, Kellen just made Jalik Swole sound really funny and really funny and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do that today because okay. I want some of that. Yeah. You've got... As a media person, you've got to work hard to find the personalities yourself. Now, I interview Phil, but I don't go into it because I'm like, oh, he's going to be funny. I try, like, and obviously, every interview with Phil is quite funny because yeah. he is just a funny person. You you go into that knowing it's going to be funny. Yes. You can't say that. Yes, but some, some members of the media lean into it and try and make it so that they are, oh, I'm also Phil's buddy. Yeah. Oh, where's Phil? Are, uh, you, are you coming at like us? No, like, I don't know who I'm okay. coming at. Okay, but like Racer X, like we we have Phil no, write a column j- for us every week. No, because so- okay, I say pulp, but actually, technically, Phil belongs to Weej and Steve. Yeah. So, therefore, almost he belongs maybe, to Racer X and pulp. Maybe more Weej. I would say so. Maybe. Yeah, I guess because they like live closer. But and- outside of Racer X and pulp, like, yes, interview Phil and everything, but don't try and like basically rehash a pulp interview to bring the humor over to your site find another rider to make your own I, yeah i don't know that i really? fully agree with that i mean I, well, I, I mean everybody that interviews phil is of course going to have like a phil-esque interview it's yes. just it, there's going to be f-bombs and there's it's just going to roll off the tongue with hilarity because he's going to have so many different ways of saying this sucks, or I didn't do that, or I'm not tripling in here, or whatever. Okay. Like, we know that that's going to happen. Okay. Better explaining my 
gripe at this. Steve has a type of relationship with Phil where he can say to Phil, you suck. Yes. And Phil will take it. I don't feel like any of the rest of us have that relationship with Phil. No, I feel like we could I, say I, I it. I don't do that. Do no, you? neither do I. But yeah. I've seen other members of the media try to do that to basically copy Steve's... Um, what's yeah. the saying? Cadence? Yes, or, yeah. with Phil. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I maybe don't listen to all the other members of the media enough to know that that's exactly happening. But I, I, I don't feel like it's that. It's just that's how you're going to get it with Phil. Like, Every interview like that is going to be like that. And I interviewed Phil on the press day in San Francisco, and it was great. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation beforehand. And I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation after the fact. Yeah. But I just try to not... I try to be me and not be... Follow this path set by Stephen Phil. I, get, I, I don't know. I feel like on the flip side of that, if you, if, like, if you look at Swap and A-Ray, for example, because they're tight, like their interactions are way different than the interviews that we get from A-Ray. Not like... Not in a sense that A-Ray is a different person. He still gives like similar answers, but the banter that they have is different. And I think that that's what you're trying to say that Steve yes. has with Phil. So I, I feel like they still find their guys. Like if you're Swap, uh, I'm trying to think of who like Josh Moseman. Josh Moseman has like rapport with everybody. I, I think he's like got a good sense. relationship with Michael Moseman. Probably. He's pretty yes. tight there. Maybe some news of Michael um, clamoring around a little bit too. He's on a star but, bike. Yes. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like every member of the media has kind of their guys. Okay, perfect example of this. Who started the A-Ray sketchy joke? That was... I mean, yes, I guess you could say... And how... Steve built that up a little bit, but that's because, like, A-Ray himself was going around telling everybody. But did you not eventually get to a point where you went on Twitter and basically every media person was making A-Ray sketchy jokes? Yeah, I, I get again. I just like, think that I, maybe that's the I'm, personality of the writer coming out in all these interviews that every media member does with him. Though. Maybe I'm an idiot. Cue YouTube comments. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I try to I I overthink that stuff, and mm -hmm. I'm like I don't want to be seen to be copying anyone. So I'm not gonna. I'm purposely gonna try and make an effort to not follow that path and make my own path because I don't want someone at home to go, oh, Lewis is just grabbing the low hanging fruit that is already set by Steve Weed or anyone else. Yeah, okay. I, I get where you're coming from. I think I would maybe disagree that other media sites like I think other media I don't even know who I'm talking about specifically, well, well, but well, I just see it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just an air of it. Yes. Um all right, let's move on. Uh we hit the end of our time there and uh, move on to our third topic of the day. This is a non-moto topic and this is a topic that I am bringing this week. You brought both non-moto topics last yep. week, right? So I am bringing both non-moto topics. Yeah, you can jump in front week. of a bus. By the way, just like to say, the gift giving, I had 99% overwhelming positive feedback and I like Moses parted the water mm. so that these people could be heard and live their lives no longer in fear. Did you or did you not receive a free donut in the press box from Steve Mathis? Yes. And so he gave you a gift and you enjoyed it? Yeah, but it was like a low-maintenance gift. Oh, uh, yeah, here we go. You can do low-maintenance gifts with other people, too. You don't have to go, nope. like, all out and get a big gift. Um, nope, because people have expectations, Kellen. Oh, whatever. Um, people are horrible. People are idiots. You're just, you're just dragging yourself back to this conversation from last week. Okay. Let's talk about this topic this week. Um... It is a topic that I feel like has happened to me for like the last year of my life. And I don't know if it's because like I'm in my 30s now, so I'm getting grumpier or something like that. I Are you like in your 30s? I am in my 30s, yeah. I thought you were younger than me. No. Okay. Um, I have okay, a child. Okay. I have a wife. Moving I don't know, like, on. Okay. Anyway, 
Um, Are you in your forties? No. I'm okay, not. just wanted some clarity. Uh, I think people suck at planning now. I don't know what happened, but like, I feel like it's I'm pulling teeth out sometimes to get people to like text me back or to get like honest answers about like what are you going to be doing this weekend or you know can we do this or whatever. Um, and I'm not trying to throw anyone specifically under oh, the bus. Give us I a just, name. I just feel like in general this is uh, this is happening now. Okay, I'll give you a name because he listens to the podcast because he made this podcast for us. I feel like the, when I text Steve and I try to like say like, "Hey, I'll be here at this time. Give an ETA an update or something like that." I almost feel like he's annoyed that I'm doing that, so I stop doing that. And I feel like it's totally awkward now if like I show up to his house for like a pulp show because I'm like. Hey, I'm here. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. So like, I hate that. I try to be as on top of like telling people, this is where I'm going to be. This is how, you know, where I'm planning yes. on staying or whatever, which I know you are also kind yes. of like that. Like you like planning ahead. And I feel like I bother people with letting them know my plans and trying to also get their plans out of them. Feels like I'm bothering them. First of all, ballsy of you to come at Steve. <laughs> I'm not coming at Steve. You came at Steve. It, individually. There's not really any one person that I'm annoyed at about this. I just use Steve as like a slight example here. Okay. It's the collective whole that I feel like no one can really like lay out any sort of foundation of a plan. Like if we're trying to go do dinner together, I feel like you have to like literally call people and say, this is when we're going to dinner at this exact time and we'll see you there. Like that's the only way you get a plan done anymore. If you try to like group text somebody and say, Hey, why don't we meet here? It turns into I don't like that place. He doesn't want to go there. I have this friend with me. Blah 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 blah. Like it's, I don't know what happened, but I feel like people suck at planning. Okay, first of all, cheek for me in your eyes because earlier you messaged me saying, "Can we do this podcast tonight?" I immediately replied and said, "Give me five minutes." And then within the five minute window, I You're replied great. and said, "Yes, eight o'clock." And when did I arrive? Eight. Exactly. I know you are thank great. You. I am giving <laughs> thank you credit. You, for yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm giving you credit. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Yes. You and I are the same mindset. We like to plan. Like for I the try... whole season, for the whole season, we like to have like our flights ready and yep. booked, and we know what races we're going to, and all this stuff yep. like that. I don't feel like there's that many people in the industry that are like that. First of all, thank you for acknowledging that I am great. It's hard to be this great, but I try my best. Second of all, yes, it's such a simple part of being human. To just say, oh, Kellen, you want to do this with me? Okay, 4pm uh, on Wednesday works. And then, oh, 4pm on Wednesday, I've got to do this. Which means I can't do that because I've already got this plan. Very, very simple. Not hard for the human, yeah. you would think. But no, very hard for humans. Because yeah. for some reason, it's respect. That's what it comes down to, Kellen. Yeah, it is. It's respect. And when people do that, I guess I'm coming at it from a reverse. Because you're coming at it from you trying to plan. I'm coming at it from a, if you make a commitment with me, you better stick to it or give me apt notice that you're not going to make it for X reason. Exactly. Because otherwise, that's just a respect thing. You clearly think for my time is not worth shit. Yes. So at that point, we've got an issue. Yeah. I'm very um, paranoid about pissing people <sighs> off in that way because I know how much it pisses me off. Mm -hmm. So I really make an effort to not piss people off and if i make that if i make a if i make a commitment i commit and if i'm slightly uncertain i like i, I don't commit i'm like yes. even if people nag me i'm like i can't commit right now probably okay but you know give me a day to figure it out 
um, such a simple part of the human experience. And just think, if every human became as good as this right now, no, that that wasn't English. Me fail English? That's impossible. <laughs> um, um, if every human were to get better at this, we would have flying cars, flying pigs, <laughs> aliens would be down. Maybe the Earth would explode because we'd have completed the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, we're still trying to like make it to X place on time. Yeah, yeah. And no. oh, the best one that I've experienced since being in America is oh, traffic's bad. Well. I'm not even American, and I figured out when the traffic's bad and how to work around that. Yes. So, not that hard. That's always my response to people that say, I hate California. It's like, you just have to plan better. If you plan when the traffic will be and how to take a route that avoids it or go early enough that you're not in it or whatever it is, it's just a planning situation. Yep. For instance, uh, the Honda intro preseason was in... Torrance. Torrance. Way which over is there from where far, we are. Which is far from where we are, and yeah. as far as I know, very bad for traffic. Yes. Started at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. in rush hour, so I went down there at 1 p.m. and just sat in a restaurant and worked, because I knew enough with my little brain, which is really hard, <laughs> to understand the way that life is, and that I had a commitment, and that I had to be there. Yeah. Not hard. So I will say... I'm not perfect at this either. I also sometimes suck at like being good about this. And the most recent example I can come to with this is I talked to Darkseid last week and we sort of agreed that I would do the the uh, Moto X pod with him, not the Pony pod, Moto X pod, and like never really like gave a clear answer. And then he texted me this week and was like, oh, I hear that you can't do it. And he heard that from me. Yeah. So... That was like my bad. Like I should have clarified with him that like I was not going to be available for the full duration. Like I could come for a little bit of yeah. it and he wants me there for the full time. So that was a mix up. That was also on me. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But you said but you I didn't did... commit. No, I mean, I, I think I said like I'd love to do it or something like that, which maybe in his mind meant that I committed. Well, then but... he needs to get better at understanding the semantics. Either way, point being, I should have been more clear about where my time frame like lied in that situation. Honestly. So... I'm just so tired of people not doing or being able to do the simple things. Yeah. Like, I'm so tired of the human race. Just the simple things, planning, um, and others. I can't think of another example right now. <laughs> but there, maybe just that. But, like, it's not hard. It's mm-hmm. really, really easy, in fact. I think so. And really, you can't do that, of all things? I know. And I realize that some people just are very aloof, but figure it out. Like, it's just tiring. It's exhausting. It is. It's just communication at the end of the day. And like you said, it's respect. Just communicate. All you have to do is like text. We, we live in an information world where you can text other people within seconds. And I saw a meme about that yeah. that said, if you don't get a reply to, to a text in two hours, you are being ignored because with everyone with their phone and their watches, they have seen your... There is no way that someone has not checked their mess, their phone, laptop, watch within two hours. Exactly. And I, I, yep. I actually say that to people now. <laughs> oh, I didn't get your message. I'm like, I send them the meme. I've got the meme on my phone. I just... You know, you know who does that too is Steve. Steve, after like an hour will be like okay cool like i'll just like whatever jump off a bridge i guess because you don't respond to me he does that all the time what he he if gets you don't angry text, oh, if you right, don't text yes. him back within like an hour he's like cool 
Thanks. Yeah, I'm not that forward vote. Like, I think it, but I don't actually send yeah. a text saying, like, <laughs> nice one. It is funny, though. Um, all right. I want to remind you guys that this show is brought to you by EVS Sports. Over the past 39 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as the leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross racers. Uh, athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Freddie Noren, Axel Hodges, and Travis Estrada all wear EVS when they race, ride, or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use the code LVK30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces. All right. We are going to rehash a quick topic from last week. We're not going to get into this too deep. Wow. Um, your brother is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, you told me he doesn't have a name, but he does. He does. And he is here. He's sitting in the studio, and uh, you are making him pay rent. He's not paid, though, because of you people. Mm-hmm. He read the comments. He listened to the podcast. So now he's got a bit of a spring in his step, a bit of confidence about him. And before we get into this, actually, no, I'll reply after. Okay. Just well, if you weren't with us last week, Lewis is making his brother pay rent. Um, a lot of people are outraged by it. The reaction on Twitter has been astounding. Um, Some people were not outraged and sided with me. Yeah. Uh, most Mostly were. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, and we have a special guest reaction. He is known for being cheap. He's also known for being the voice of Pro Motocross and now Monster Energy AMA Supercross. Here's Jason Wygant reacting to Lewis Phillips making his brother pay rent. Hi, Lewis V. Kellen. Jason Wygant here. So I was driving to the grocery store at my daughter. We listen to this podcast. Let me actually get her reaction to this because she has a brother. Uh, what were you thinking when you heard this? She's 13, by the way. Is this person human? Well, he says he's a 10 out of 10 human, but I think that's terrible. So when you're older mm-hmm. and your brother's on a road trip, if he happens to be visiting where you are, will you charge him rent? Mm, definitely not. Really? And you don't even like your brother, right? Yeah. But you still wouldn't charge him rent? Yeah. Even though he's annoying? Yeah. And you don't even like him? Yeah. Okay. And. He would love to have you come over because you're the older sibling and he's all up on you. So you know he's not going to charge you rent. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think it's settled. I just use my kids to ask how it would be for them as siblings. And she thinks that's appalling. And I have to agree because if you really think about it, all we're trying to do is raise good people that do the right thing in the future. And you have to you know, teach them right now. So in the case of my daughter, you know, when she's older and she grows up and she gets a job and you know, a lot of kids these days, they don't actually move out after a while and uh, they end up coming back to the parents' house and they just become freeloaders now that I think about it. And then they just think because I used to stay in this room or I used to be able to do this when I was a kid that I can still do this for free. But let me tell you something, Lily. If you come back here in your mid-20s after you graduate college and you don't pay rent, you're out of here, okay? Do you understand how that works? You will be paying rent if you're in here as an adult because you'd have to pay rent anywhere else that you go. You'd have to pay rent if it was a hotel, if it was a vacation, if it was a house, if it was an apartment. Things cost money. Just like boxes of chocolates, things cost money. (laughs) Lewis is right. Lewis is right. You have to raise people right. You can't give them handouts. You can't give them free rent. Lewis is right. I'm trying to raise people right here, you freeloaders. brother is coming to live with him he has to learn the right way and you have to learn the right way stop freeloading what are you eating right now chocolate who paid for that you exactly <laughs> that was emotional that is jason wygant reacting that, honestly to- <laughs> a minute in i was i was sweating because that was not coming well for me and then the last 30 seconds really came around <laughs> the tide turned in your favor jason wygant agrees with you um 
after not agreeing with you kind of at the start. But it was he, rough to start with. I thought he rough, wanted to kill me. And he turned it around. So what say you to his reaction? I need to lie down. because you that take was, a victory lap? Or? That was two minutes of... Well, first of all, I spoke to Phil about this yeah. in San Francisco. He also backed me. So Lewis, Phil, and Weege, quite a... Team cheap. I've got an NBC Sports personality and a rider who almost podiumed a Supercross. So we're doing <laughs> quite an established group over here. Um, oh, boy. First, second of all, Think about it this way. Who knows? If I didn't take the money off of him, who knows where that money would go? Maybe he'd buy drugs. Maybe he'd end up on the streets. So in theory, what I've done is kept another kid off the streets. And you know what, Kellen? If that's a crime, find me guilty. But I I would do it again to keep another person away from drugs and the streets. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sticking to the the seven minutes of time that we had. Uh, was our debate time, so I'm not going to rehash this with you. Well, you can't further. rehash that. What, are you no, going to tell no, me that I like, should put people on the streets with drugs? I'm not saying anything. We're letting the public decide uh, from here. Um, let's get back into our show a little bit. And uh, news segment this week. Race Tech is going to bring us the fan question slash topic of the week. Uh, shout out to Race Tech. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, for 40 years, Race Tech has been supplying the motorcycle industry with high quality suspension components made right here in the USA. From modern to vintage, Race Tech is your go to source for suspension performance. And our Twitter question of the week we asked some people on Twitter to give us a topic to discuss. Um, <clears throat> so, at LAX Defense Coach, which I've been told is Lacrosse Defense Coach, uh, says, With Prado expected to leave MXGP, does this start a quote, talent drain? with more upper-end riders in the pipeline leaving for America, or do they stay and aspire to be elite in just MXGP? Lewis, you have the floor. Oh, do I? Okay, thank you for giving me the floor. Um, Does this start a talent drain? Well, we know Prado is coming, let's be honest. The Coonans are coming. Kaida Wolf wants to come. I don't know if he's going to get a chance, but he really wants to. Um, Anyone? I feel like that's it. Does Benistan still want to come? Yes. Kind of. I heard that it was in his Yamaha yeah, contract. I thought, like there was a star thing he could come live. If he won and... the world title, then there was some sort of clause so that sent the... him to America. Yeah. Or um, Anyway, um, the problem isn't Prado and the Kunans leaving as an isolated situation. The problem is that Prado will leave at the same time or a year before Hurlings will retire. Fevra will probably retire. Right. Um, Sewer's older now. Uh, Geyser isn't old. He's, he's getting older. Yeah. Like Geyser won't be around for another four or five years. Um, also, remind me of that because I've, I've got something to say on that. Ari last week to reply to someone. Okay. So remind me of that. Age. Just say age and I'll remember. Um <laughs> Uh, so the problem is, MXGP is essentially going to leave lose all of their personalities and stars in the space of two years. And then flying the flag will be Geyser, who isn't the greatest personality in the world. Renault, yeah. same. Gertz? I mean, Gert, in Gertz, yeah, you've got a 10 out of 10 personality. Yeah, he's great. He will carry the sport on his shoulders, yeah. but he can't do it alone. You can't give that... Although he oozes personality and charisma and spark, you can't, you can't put a task like that on him. Um, so yeah, if that's where we're heading with MXGP, Geyser, Gertz, Renault... I feel like I'm missing someone. Uh, yeah, Fernandez guess could be in the mix i don't know like yeah exactly thank you um yeah 
essentially MXGP will lose its star power, and that is a problem. And I've long said that MXGP needs to sort of fix up and get on the social media game to promote Renault, Geyser, um, Fernandez, and all these people to show their personalities, build a fan base. Because the biggest problem that I had in MXGP is that I, through the numbers and through the reaction, I figured out that there were really only five riders that the fans cared about and wanted to hear from. And there were a lot of riders who really fans were passive towards. They'd check the results and that's it. They don't really want to hear from. And that's a bigger issue than not one man can fix. It comes, it needs to start at the top with MXGP. They need to do a better job of promoting the riders as individuals, showing their personalities. Sua and Fernandez got into it big time in Indonesia Uh and there was not really much done with it by MXGP. Like that could have been a real gripping thing to get yeah. people to tune in for the following round so mxgp does drop the ball in that respect they do a lot of great things but i feel like the promotion and social media side is their biggest weakness they've kind of been left behind as like supercross does a really good job of that yeah nowadays um so that's where mxgp is going to face an issue a lot of people have said to me that they believe that mxgp is heading for a period similar to like um, I can't remember the example that people use. I think they say like mid two thousands, where there weren't a lot of Everts, Pichon, Smets, Ramon. Yeah, not a lot of personalities that people were really into. Like I've said it, I've long said it, and I'm going to get shot for this. Hurlings really carries MXGP on his shoulders. Between Hurlings and Sewer, you have two massive personalities, real characters that fans can cheer for, and in Hurlings' case, hate. But to be a top rider, you need to have you need to have personalities that people love or hate. That's kind of the the driving force behind this. You can't just have a personality that everyone loves because then that if everyone feels the same way, you're kind of back to being a passive response. Okay, can I talk now? Because you just talked for like five minutes. I'm sorry, Kevin. No, go ahead. Um, so my rebuttal to this would be: this happens like every decade, roughly. We had, if you go back to the 2000s, we had Villeman and Reed, <clears throat> Pichon, Albertine, all those guys in more or less the prime of their careers. Villeman a little early. They came to the U.S. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tortelli, too, a little bit. Are you emotional? No, I just am okay. getting choked up about this. Talk about Jesus. I know, um, I know it's hard, but you, you can do it. 2010s area. We had Roxon and Muscan and Porcel a little bit before that, and then Townley, I guess, maybe a little bit before that, all when they're on the rise coming to a level where they could compete in MXGP leave for the U.S. Now we're about to have the exact same thing happen again. And what happened when all those guys left? Some guy became the superstar. Everts was already really good, but he became the superstar of the series. When all Albertine and everyone left and Everts won a bunch of race, a bunch of races. And then you had no Roxon or Muscan or Porcel to challenge Cairoli, and he wins a ton of races and a ton of world titles. And the talent that he had on the track was great, but it was not Roxon or Muscan. Like those guys certainly would have taken it to Cairoli, I think a little bit yeah. more than like DeSaul and Pollen, right? Yes. So now what I, I feel like it's happening all over again. We're losing a lot of this young core. And what are we going to be left with? Like Geertz and Adamo and Everts to... Well, Renault. 
Well, yeah, like yeah. in Renault because he's still young. So those guys to be the flagship carriers and someone of that group will become the next superstar of MXGP, right? I don't know if there's a superstar quality there. I mean, Everts is actually, I will say this, Everts has got a really good personality. Yeah. Like, he's quite But I mean, in terms, of, and... in terms of, like, that dominant winning form that we saw from Everts, and then we saw from Cairoli, and then we're having all this young core talent leave from MXGP again, I, just, I think that just sets us up for another rehash of the same thing, right? And you can have the dominance, but nowadays, if the dominance doesn't come with personality, people leave. As in fans. Look at, um, look, get ready, Lewis, about to talk about another sport. <laughs> look at Max Verstappen. He wins everything. He's not the most personable, as far as I can tell. Well, he's personable he, enough to be hated. But he still comes out with little quips and Hurlings-esque comments exactly. that drive discussion. Right. If you don't have that, everyone will just tune out and just check the results. Oh, so-and-so won again. Sweet. Move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But also, that's where, like... um. That's where we, as a sport, need to... And I, if I'm looking at the American side, Supercross do a phenomenal job of social media, promotion, and all of that. They do great, so yeah. they're out of this conversation. Well done. Take a hard-earned break. You're out. The teams, did you see earlier... So I, I don't really know F1 or follow it. I saw that McLaren posted a video about their car launch. Yeah. I don't know the technology. I don't really care. This video, which was 30 seconds, genuinely got me hyped for their car launch, which yeah. I don't really care about. Meanwhile, our teams are posting terrible stuff. Yeah, and it's not hard. It doesn't even cost money. It doesn't even cost money. Just Everyone just needs to think differently. We almost need an education. Well, do you like that Solitaire does what they do? They're like edgy on Twitter, right? And so that's kind of what you're asking for a little bit. Yes, but the teams involved that I way. guess that I would want, I would say that it needs to be a bit more, it could be used better. Like they've got the audience now. Yeah. So I feel like they could now use that audience better rather than kind of pandering to the same jokes over and over. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I agree with you. I think social media could be better, but you're very passionate about the social media. I really am. Sport. Yeah, I think you need to become like the social media captain. I really want like a team. I like. I would do it for free. I'd really like to take a team on <laughs> as like a project just to see what you could do. Be careful what you do for like, free. I, like if you're listening to this, go to McLaren's Twitter and it's all about what no, was... No, seriously, go to any F1 team. Story. No, but this video... Find this video I'm talking about specifically. And it was all about doing whatever it takes to reach the top. And it was like stuff about... They had like headlines saying McLaren are losers, blah, blah, blah. And as I was watching it, I was like, you could follow that same narrative with any... Like Tomac, you could follow that narrative coming back from uh, injury. Sexton... Yeah. You could follow you could use that narrative um from the response to him making mistakes and not deserving the championship. Rubbish. Um like you could use that in so many instances, but you've just got to have someone who's thinking that way. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think teams definitely could be better on social media. One thousand percent. I'm with you. You tell like you look at I mean, you name me a team that's doing something reasonably well. well I like Solitaire. <laughs> okay, name me another team. Okay, we're we're way over time though, so we gotta. We Honestly, can, we I can could, rehash this later. I could do an hour on social media in the sport. You could, you really could. You're very passionate about. Honestly, it, it really angers me. I know. You're, you're also you're quite impressive that we went from Prado to Team Solitaire in one debate. <laughs> very true. Very <laughs> true. Could. But it it got there in a roundabout way. Um, let's get back into uh, 
our topics here. We got two more to go over. We're going to end on moto and we're going to go off moto for this one. Again, another topic that irks me to my core and we both travel a lot. So we both, I feel like you've probably seen this and maybe you have a, an opinion on this or not. Why do people talk on the phone in the bathroom of an airport? Like, and it's you and I both know that we travel with a lot of people that are like business people too. Like you get on a plane and there's people in like slacks and like a button up t-shirt or whatever, because they're going to a meeting or something like that. Especially if we fly on like a Thursday where there's always like business people yeah. getting on planes. So airports are full of people doing business. If you are a person on the phone doing business with CEO of downtown cor company LLC or whatever, and you hear in the background with the guy that you're on the phone with, I would hang up immediately if I'm the CEO. Like that is so annoying that you would be doing that. And it's so disrespectful to these people that are just trying to go to the bathroom and you're just in there like, oh yeah, this quarter we didn't do great. So we're going to try to fix that for next year. It's very annoying. I don't like it at all. Why are you hanging out in bathrooms? I'm not. I'm literally just going in because I need to go to the bathroom after a flight and there's just people in there with their their you know airpods in or whatever just yelling into the phone there's no funny business with you in these bathrooms is there <sighs> no Lewis, okay just there's no the circles restroom. cut in the stools no circles okay cut just in didn't want to get involved in a debate that i don't want to be a part of because no. what you do in airport bathrooms is your business and i think it's best if it's kept that way but regarding <laughs> other people's business um i've never heard someone on the phone really no <laughs> I have no idea. What, I have no idea what you're talking about. You've never heard this? No, oh my God, dude. I feel like I hear it every week, and and like I don't, well, like, maybe it's an American thing because I guess I spent most of my time hanging out in Indonesian airports where people are walking around barefoot and standing basically on your toes. Yeah, that's a different world, though. Like you're like very. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I almost re. I almost. Dude, I, I almost topped last week. There, yeah, jeez, wow. I have heard people in the stalls and like i don't like look underneath and see if they're sitting on the toilet or whatever you don't look through the holes cut in no, the snow okay good good but i just i hear them coming from the general direction of the stalls and they're just talking about quarterly numbers or whatever it is that they're talking about it's almost always business related which means to me that they're like they're on a call that they need to be on right and they're like oh i need to also go to the bathroom before i get on this plane so i get it like that you are trying to knock out all your stones with one throw here a little bit but i don't I hate when people talk to me on the phone if they go to the bathroom. I would be so mad if someone did that to me. And I'm mad when I'm hearing it in the airport. I don't know why I've never heard this. Huh. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, well, would that bother you? you? You roll into a stall at the airport, and you're just like, I just need to go to the bathroom real quick and wash my hands and leave, and someone is over here yelling. No, because I'd find it quite interesting. <laughs> well, you, like, get involved in their conversation? No, just like, oh, sounds like... So, sounds like Adam's gonna be fired. One no, fire. <laughs> oh my god! And then I leave, and then I walk out the bathroom, wondering, hmm, wonder what, wonder, wonder whatever happened to Adam. Mm. So that you would try to like follow up on, this yeah, story. it's like, like a, it's like a soap opera. Corporation's website and be like, yeah, it's like Adam a sitcom. still work there? Or? Yeah. Huh. No, I would definitely not do that. I would. Well, yeah, I hope I would go there and see that Adam's fired, and cause is talking on the phone in a bathroom stall at the airport. I don't know if you know this, Kellen, but as you would have seen from last week's episode, I'm a very easygoing person yeah. don't get riled up and much um go with the flow bit of a hippie if you will um and so this wouldn't really bother me because um yeah let people do their business in more ways than one in this case no i i it it really but, um, bothers me 
It, uh, like, it also... Have you ever had that happen when you're like you get on the plane and they're still just like going to town on a on a call? Or no, like that? but America, what are we doing with? <laughs> okay, now we let you up. <laughs> what are we doing when we're getting on planes? We're walking on with pizza boxes. We're walking on with like a foot long subway. We're walking on. <laughs> the guy the next to me at the weekend got on the way to San Francisco. An hour flight walked on with a carrier bag. Full of like two salads, and like was it JT in his? his no, no. This man basically ate as if he was. I imagine that when he got off that flight, he was being executed, and this was his last meal. (laughs) And also, this guy was bizarre because every time I was on the aisle, he was middle. Every time I like look to my left to glance out the window, or you know, you look around. Every time I look to my left in his direction, obviously not directly at him because he was right alongside me. Mm He took his headphones out and like looked at me as if I wanted to have a conversation with him. <laughs> and this happened five times. Oh. And every time I was like, no, no, settle down. Hmm. Not, not you, Matt Food Eater. <laughs> not you, that guy over there. But like, <laughs> like in front of me, a guy walked on with a massive, large pizza box. It was an hour flight. You yeah. can survive. Like, you can survive. <laughs> I, I have faith in you. But this only happens in America. I have flown all, our, all around the world. I only see people come on flights with substantial food in America. We eat a lot here. It's an hour flight. Do you, have you ever gone onto a plane ever though, like with a, a meal? Like it's a six-hour flight or something, and you're like, I, I take on a like snacks. Yeah, yeah, a bag of cookies, a sandwich. I got on a plane one time last year. I don't remember where to or from, uh, but Vince Freeze was like on the second row, just going to town on a bowl of ramen noodles. <laughs> I was honestly, I would, I would. <laughs> I was just like. I would Get lose my mind. Vince. No. <laughs> Smells. Yeah, I guess. Like, only in America. I don't know why this doesn't happen elsewhere, but yeah, we need to figure that out. Okay. Because I don't know what the deal is with that. But, like, I've seen people buy a full meal, sit at the gate, take it on the plane, and then eat it. Just eat it at the gate. No, I've done that too. Oh but, but like you, you maybe run out of time, or you're not hungry enough to finish it. There, well, but you don't want to I'm throw sorry. it out because because the airport food is like twenty dollars for like a little sandwich. Breaking so news: You're trying to be cheap with your brother over there. I'm not throwing away a sandwich I've half eaten in an airport. Breaking news: Man buys food, but man looks at food in the airport and goes, "Am I hungry?" <sighs> goes, "No," doesn't like, buy food. I like how you completely change this topic, though. The topic. That I brought okay, to the table I here. don't know what you do in bathrooms, Kellen. And these bathrooms that you frequent, I've never seen someone on the phone. So I don't know what you guys are doing in your special bathrooms. I presume there's a special code word to enter these bathrooms. Maybe an app that you go on to if hook you... up with people in these bathrooms. I don't know. But Can I ask if you were on the phone with, uh, I don't know, Michael or Darkseid or something like that, and you heard a toilet flush, you would just be like, eh, whatever, life. Or would you be like, bro? I would try to block block it out, to be honest. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the two frustrations I have with it is that one, it's it's bothering me because I'm standing there listening to a conversation while I'm just using the restroom. And number two, the person on the other side of the line is, I feel like, being very disrespectful or being disrespected by the person who is just flushing a toilet in there yeah but maybe it's their boss and they know they have to answer and they've just caught them at a bad time well again like i said i feel like it's a business meeting that these people can't miss or whatever but figure it out i don't know i don't know what you're doing in these bathrooms well we're we're pretty much at the end of time i we're i'm not gonna keep going over this um 
because I'm sick of talking about it. To be honest, it, it stop me. bringing your food, your full meals onto the plane. Just stop. Okay, we'll bring that up another week. Um, all right, one more topic to talk about here. Chase Sexton wins in San Francisco and uh, second race with KTM gets on the top step, has the red plate back and Anaheim one was good for him. He gets on the podium uh, with a little assistance from Cooper Webb, but all we heard all day was doesn't really like the bike. They did a feature on him race day live about how he's not mm-hmm. gelling with the bike and everything. You know, they had a big struggle early in December that they were trying to work through and stuff like that. Um, so I felt like Anaheim one getting on the podium was kind of a win. Now he does win a race and it's a mud race, but the, the ball is rolling in the right direction for chase. So in your opinion, is this like, uh, this was like a must win situation that chase had, or is this, how big is this win to you for him to get it done? You could tell how big it was in the videos of him riding to the podium. I would say that his energy matched like almost winning the championship yeah, last year. Too, yeah. Um, and knowing how tough the struggles were in December and all of that stuff, I highly doubt that he expected to be this good this early. Um, he's leading the championship by seven points. We've not had a lead that big since 2018. We've not had a lead that bigger than that since 2015. So. He's in a great Stabby position. Lewis. Yep. Just <laughs> man of many talents. Um, not really. Um, no, uh, you've thrown me off there, Callum. Sorry, continue. Like a man talking in the bathroom. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to do my business, and you've just distracted me when yep. I was in a flow. Um, no, I think that it was important. I think that had he gone to round six without winning, say we'd left California and he yeah, hadn't won yet. Exactly. Then I think maybe it would have been a bit of a um, shaky ground. Right. But I think that this win confirmed a lot of things. But actually, I think even bigger was what they did in the week leading up to San Francisco. Again, knowing some ins and outs. Yep. Um, they made big big steps in the dry and I would expect him to back it up or at least back it up with a very strong showing in San Diego because yeah. I do think they've turned a corner. So I think the emotional combination of turning a corner in a dry and then getting your first win on a KTM resulted in the explosion of emotion yeah. that we saw in San Fran. Yeah. Uh, I 1000% agree with the sentiment that if Chase left California without a win, it was bad in my opinion. Uh, and I, I I think you're right. I think things are going to be better in the dry. But this win, I feel like, does a lot for his own personal confidence, regardless of how he got it. Because if you look back to last year, remember how he had that stretch where like he won Detroit, yep. but it was because of the penalties, so he like lost points, and then he crashed in Indy, and he did he crash in Daytona too, or something like. There was like a no, stretch Indy of, like, and Daytona were before Detroit. Right, right. Sorry, but like. There was a stretch of like four races in a row where he was like clearly the fastest guy and probably should have won all of them, but for whatever reason or whatever, did not w- did not really win any of them. And he was like pulling his hair out, I feel like, by that point of like, what is happening? Like, why is this not going right? Even though fastest in practice, fastest in qualifying, wins heat, something happens in the main event. Like, I feel like mentally he was just like going through these frustrations and couldn't pull himself out of it. And I feel like if he left California in any sort of similar mindset to that, we're in trouble, right? Yes. But also I think that that's a different situation because that was losing wins through his own mistakes. Yeah. 
Whereas if he left California without a win and it just Was wasn't there, then I think maybe he would have been more accepting of it because I think he knew or expected it to be a little bit of a slog to start the season. I guess, but look at when... Uh... You know, outdoors this year, Jet goes twenty-two and zero. I feel like every single week the chase was like close, but just didn't have it. Like he was also frustrated. I like that Chase wears his emotions on his yeah. sleeves. That's cool, right? No, I agree. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. I feel like you can almost see that, like it's mentally beating him up a little bit every single time he doesn't cross the line first. And so, like, just to get it one time, just have that feeling with KTM and know, like, we can do this. Doesn't matter how we got there again. We have the red plate again. We're in control of our destiny from here. I feel like totally flips his mindset going forward already. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, for, again, he didn't expect to be in this position so early. So the fact that he is actually gives him double confidence. Yeah. Because it's like, I knew I could win. I didn't know I could win this early. So if I can win this early, how good am I going to be in four weeks? So like it's like a massive um, storm of confidence yeah. that's just hit him. I think that it'll be interesting to see the reaction if Jet just like smokes everyone this weekend. Because does that bring it back down to earth? Or, again, it probably depends on the ride. Because if Jet hole shots and smokes everyone, but Chase goes from 12th to 2nd, right. then it's still like a, a win in a, in yeah. a way. Um, but it's clear, it has set up San Diego to be very interesting from a mental battle standpoint from the top guys. Because, uh, yeah, Chase with that situation, Jet with the rebound, Eli, is San Francisco a true, a true indicator? Or was it just a mud thing? So, like, mentally, I feel like he'll be carrying quite a burden in San Diego because he'll be like, oh, I hope I can back that up, but I don't know. Well, and on the broadcast, um, they said that Star did something during the week similar to KTM, and Eli came into this weekend, like, pissed off, ready to win, like, and felt that he had it in him to win San Francisco if it was dry, and, and obviously almost if it was wet. So I think that similar to Chase, I feel like Star somehow turned a page. It was something to do with, like, they brought their Florida setup to Anaheim. It didn't work. And so then they did like some dry testing during the week. I think he rode Yamaha on Tuesday. So he did some like actually yeah. like dry test track testing or something like that. Um, the Yamaha test track is what I meant. Not he rode a Yamaha. Yeah, I, it took me a second. <laughs> um, so I, I think, yeah, like you said, I think those guys like first and second for them totally turned a page for them already. Yeah. And it was needed. Yeah. As I said at the top, if Jet had won in the mud, that would have been a Trouble. massive... Um, Oh no moment for everyone. Yeah. I think I don't know if I I think that this will spark a series of good rides for Chase. Mm -hmm. I think this sparks Chase of last year coming back. No, I think that I think that the results that we got in San Francisco set us up for a really good series because I think it's pretty clear everyone thinks the Jet is the fastest and probably can win any time. So if you get if you're Eli and your Chase or your Cooper or whatever, and you can get a handful of points on him here and there, that's a win. I feel like right. That's what those guys are assuming. Um, to combine this Sexton com 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 comment, no, this Sexton topic. topic? Sorry, I just had a brain malfunction. Um, with the one from last week about the slander. Do you want a stat? Let's hear it. So San Diego was Chase's forty fourth win. No, I'm really tired. <laughs> 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 and I said San Diego as well. San Francisco was Chase's eighth win yes. in 450s. It was his 44th start in the 450 class. It took Eli... Oh, God, I've got to forget this now. It took Eli something like 48 to get to his eighth win. It took Webb something like 54. Well, 
It took Roxon 43. I'm just going to throw it out there because the Eli fans are going to hit you hard. Eli was coming back from double reconstruction. No, I, I, I took so. out the I starts. <laughs> no, I know. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not posing anything with this. I'm just giving <laughs> just you facts. Just be careful. I can't the remember the exact numbers, but it was roughly that. Um, yeah. I know that Roxon was definitely 43. Chase was 44. And then, yeah, I believe Eli was 48 and Webb was 54, but close, close to that. Yeah. Is Chase going to get to 72? Just not a single <laughs> mention of that this weekend. Where was it? Uh, li- listen, listen. Honestly, I should have done that. People would, I feel like everyone would have got a kick out of that if okay. I'd asked that in the press conference. We're going week by week here. Um, we're at the end of time, though. Uh, okay. My timer did not go off. I don't know why, but we are at the end of time. We have gone over an hour. So thank you guys again for tuning into the second episode of the LVK More Than Moto podcast. Lewis, thank you for stopping by and chatting a little bit with us again. I, um, I did a good thing this week. Not a single bit of sarcasm. No, no. Because we are, I am now literal Lewis. Literal Lewis. Because everyone likes to take things literally. So to the two people last week, I said something along the lines of, to use a phrase that I just made up myself, life is like a box of chocolates. Two people messaged me telling me that I did not come up with that phrase and that I'm an idiot <laughs> oh and I am an idiot and a, and a oh. self-obsessed lunatic for thinking that I made that up myself. And at that point, I realized the world is not ready for sarcasm. No. So I was literal Lewis and Bad. I don't think I did one sarcasm. Bad. And Bad. just to clarify, no, I did not make up the phrase, life is like a box of chocolates. Life lessons from Lewis. Thank you. All right. That's episode two of LVK More Than Moto. Thank you to EVS Sports, Nomura, and Racetech for uh, sponsoring the show. And we'll see you guys after San Diego with more than moto.